At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's going on? Welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans got a big win last night in Charlotte, defeating the Hornets 112-110, keeping their playoff hopes and playing hopes alive as their game and a half back of the San Antonio Spurs for that final playing spot. And we'll now take on the Southwest Division foe in the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, joining us now is Eric Hasseltine, the radio voice of the Grizzlies. Eric, I appreciate the time. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. A very important game tonight. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but it's crazy how these two teams haven't met in almost three months. What has changed yeah. for the Grizzlies um, since then? I know that's kind of a, a generic question, but what has changed for them since the last time these two teams met? Well, obviously, I mean, the biggest change is obviously getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back. Um, he's such a big part of what they want to do on both ends of the floor. Um, his ability to protect the rim on the defensive end gives the Grizzly wing defenders an opportunity to uh, um, an opportunity to sorry, I got a call there um, <laughs> to, uh, to to gamble a little bit more, to play a little more aggressively in the passing lane, to basically, um, you know, do things that you can't do if you don't think you have someone behind you that can help. And at seven feet tall, and we think he's a legit seven foot now, he's gotten stronger. His wingspan's seven, five, seven, six. And he's athletic. Uh, I mean, you know, his first game back, he blocks four shots in 15 minutes. So, um, and so, I, again, I look at this and I see what he can bring to the table. But you have to still realize, and I'm sure as you guys have dealt with in the past with injuries, he's not the guy that he would be right now had he played a whole season. So he's still kind of getting his legs underneath him. No matter how much you run or how much you train or how much you condition there's nothing like NBA action. And so they struggled a little bit with some of him, you know, with some of his early action and trying to get him acclimated. They were trying to get Justice Winslow acclimated. That experiment did not really work. He's kind of subsequently fallen out of the rotation a little bit, but um, they're, they're in the position of, they almost have too many players. And so injuries kind of help guys get some minutes that maybe they wouldn't have, but, when everybody was healthy, it was interesting to see who played and who didn't. And for a couple of games, Tyus Jones didn't play. For a couple of games, Brandon Clark didn't play. Those were two really key role players last season. But you added uh, Winslow, who they wanted to see if he could handle the ball. And then you added Desmond Bain, who's a really good shooter on the perimeter. So that took some guard minutes away. And then Xavier Tillman, the second-round pick, was playing so well that when there was limited backup big minutes around, Xavier Tillman got him. And – uh, Brandon Clark, who's still having a great year or, you know, maybe not quite the year they expected, but still a really solid season coming off the bench kind of fell out of the rotation for a couple of ball games. He subsequently come back and he helped the Grizzlies, uh, secure a victory the other night that they, they had to have, to be honest with you. So, um, it, it's, it's intriguing because right now what this team looks like compared to when you guys saw them the first couple of times is, is very different, but to me, it doesn't matter because for whatever reason, the Pelicans have absolutely owned the Grizzlies over the last two seasons. And, you know, you've seen it too. I'm sure there's teams for you guys that you go, why is this so 
bizarrely lopsided when these teams shouldn't be that separated. And that's what it's been. I mean, the Pelicans, I remember last year, hit 15 threes in the first half. In the first game, they faced off. The next game, they didn't take a three until like three minutes to go in the half and just drove everything to the rim and scored at will. So um, I give a lot of credit to their players for, for executing game plans, and we'll see how that goes tonight. Absolutely. Before we get into game plan and kind of the playing part of this, you know, a lot of people ask me or I ask other people about Zion's growth from year one to year two. Of course, Zion will not be playing tonight against the Grizzlies, but I'm also curious what you think about John Morant's growth from year one to year two, winning the rookie of the year last year. What have you seen from him improvement wise from year one into what have you seen from him as he grows in his young NBA career? Well, it's crazy because they're always going to be compared because they went one and two. They have the connection of playing some youth basketball together in South Carolina. They're good friends. Um, I remember distinctly the last time we played, Ja got free for a dunk, and you could hear on the courtside mic that Zion said, no, nah, I'm not going to let you do that, bro. And he <laughs> fouled him. And he fouled him cleanly, and it, I was like, that's, that's a friend not wanting his friend to have an upper hand on him, and I like that. I do like that about him. Um, you know, the first part about that, about Zion, he's a beast. I, I, I marveled about how fluid – he moves on the floor at that size and his grasp of the game rookie year to now, or when we saw him and when I've seen him on television is remarkable. I mean, he, he, if you can't get him away from the basket, if he gets going downhill, forget about it. There's not a player in this league that can match that kind of athleticism and strength. Uh, I mean, there's, we're fortunate to have a guy like Jaron Jackson jr. Who's similar, but not as bulky, longer, taller, maybe not quite as bouncy, but very athletic in his own right. And I'm just going like, that's, that's still another level for Zion. That's why he's special. That's why he was the number one pick. Um, so it's been fun to watch that. Jaw's similar. Jaw has the ability now and, and he realizes to take over games. You know, our first game of the year, San Antonio was just eviscerating the Grizzlies on the high pick and roll and the Grizzlies weren't scoring on the other end. And Jaw said, well, we've got to score every time down if we're not going to stop them. And he finished with 44 points in game one. And you know, we were like, oh, wow. Okay. There are times he needs to do that. And he does. There are times he needs to do that. And he doesn't. Um, I think the one thing that's unfair for Ja when people want to compare Ja and Zion and even RJ Barrett right now, or, or to some of the guys this year, like Anthony Edwards, or, you know, some of the other young players, the only one I think it's fair to is LaMelo Ball. And the reason is those two guys have the ball in their hands all the time. And I've always said in all the years I've been covering this league and whether I was working in Memphis or in Sacramento prior to here, you know, I'm starting to realize it's been a quarter of a century that it's still the same story. The hardest position to come in and be young at is the point guard position. A, you generally have the most talented players there around the league, top to bottom. When you think about the point guards or combo guards in this league that you've got to guard night in, night out, it's ridiculous. Um, you, You talk from Kyrie Irving to Russell Westbrook to Bradley Beal, who can have the ball in his hands to John Wall uh, to Chris Paul. And you're just going like, okay, when does Steph Curry, when does this stop Damian Lillard? Okay. We're still not done yet. Oh, by the way, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star in Brooklyn and now he's in Minnesota. That's just the West. He has still deal with Mike Conley and, you know, all these really, really good players. And then we forget about some of the young guys like DeJounte Murray. Um, and then Lonzo Ball's gotten so much better. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've seen that with Lonzo, the development of learning how to play NBA point guard as opposed to youth basketball point guard, college point guard, where you're just better than everybody. I mean, you're just better when you're just better at that position, you can see. And so um, that's part where he takes the next step to me is not waiting to engage in games like 
take, for example, uh, the last game the Grizzlies played on Saturday night, they, they basically against Toronto um, had an opportunity to kind of go out and put that game away early. And they did right off the bat. And part of it was because jaw was trying to get everybody else involved and look up and he's got four minutes to go in the second half and second quarter. And he hasn't taken a shot, literally hadn't taken a shot mm-hmm. yet. He finishes with double figures and almost gets a triple double, but it's like, okay, dude, you, you've got to, at some point, take a little bit of selfishness. You watch the great ones and Damian Lillard will be happy to get 10 assists, but if Damian Lillard's got a shot and you're going to, and he's going to get it and he thinks he can make it, he's going to take it and no one's going to argue with him. And I don't think anybody would argue with Josh. So it's the next step forward is that leadership role of everybody's cool with him taking 15, 20 shots a game. And the guys that aren't are going to have to get over it because he's the best player you got. And there's no two ways about it. Absolutely. I want to get your thoughts on the play-in because obviously you guys were in the initial play-in last year with the Portland Trailblazers not going your way, but this year you're in the thick of it as it looks pretty good for you guys to at least secure a play-in spot with just a few four games ago. What are your thoughts on it? Obviously, if it wasn't for it, this game wouldn't matter as much on the Pelican side of things, uh, but but what are your thoughts on the play-in as we're into year two? You know, I think it's great. I, I, I see guys' point where LeBron's saying, hey, we work all season to, to secure a, a seed, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're seven or eight, and the seventh seed, if they're – here's where I would say it should be kind of renovated is if it were me. I think if you're in the seventh seed and you're four or five games ahead of, of the ninth seed, then you shouldn't have to worry about it. Then that should be a wrap. And then the eighth seed just plays the winner of 9-10 if you want to do it that way. I think that could be work too. The fact of the matter is – we're in a crazy situation that nobody ever expected. You know, you and I talked as this thing locked down last year, you and I talked before the bubble last year. And I don't think anybody expected us in March of 2021 or May of 2021, whatever we're in right now, I can't even keep track. (laughs) It's so crazy with all the games we've had to play that, you know, arenas are starting to fill back up. But what we forget is take a team, pick your team, pick any team in the league every night, 45 nights a year, they're generating, you know, between one and $2 million of revenue. And that's gone. I mean, that's just gone. That's not, we're not talking television and radio advertising. We're not talking, you know, marketing. We're not talking TV money from the national deal. We're talking about tickets sold, arena concessions bought, souvenirs bought, parking paid for, people in your building. And we're talking $100 million per team probably. So, you know, to, to get six more, high-level games, to generate some more revenue for the league, I don't think it's that much to ask. And personally, I think it's great because now you don't have teams doing what we saw uh, in in years past where teams will just not play. I mean, I remember a game against the Grizzlies' opponent. I don't want to say who, but it was pretty clear when you go up four with 11 seconds to go and the point guard takes the ball and walks the ball up the floor because they're a non-playoff team. They have zero interest in winning that game at that point. All mm-hmm. right, well, that's a loss. Good. We'll, we'll get a couple more shots. I think they're doing the right things to revise the lottery for that. I think the lottery needs to be devised to make teams that struggle better. You can't have equal playing surface because take, for example, in years past when Denver missed the, the playoffs by a game, what, two or three years in a row, it wouldn't be fair. They were a high-level team with 45 wins that just didn't make the playoffs. That's ridiculous. They don't need to go get the number one pick. They're fine. You need a team that's got 17 wins. That's just changed their coach for the second time in five years. That's got their fan base going. We don't have a lot of hope to get what happened. I think to both of our franchises, 
a Zion, a jaw that gets your fans back engaged, that gets you coming back to the games. But you shouldn't be rewarded for not participating in the rest of the schedule by sitting guys, resting guys, not playing guys, and get rewarded with that if you don't go out and uphold what I think are the standards of the NBA, which is you're there to compete, and there's a true competitive balance. And we saw that with the Grizzlies in recent weeks. I mean, the Grizzlies should right now, in all honesty, Daniel, should be, and that that word in the NBA means absolutely nothing, but should be, or that phrase, uh, should be ahead of the Golden State Warriors. They should be firmly in the eighth spot. They blew a game in Orlando where they had a 20-point lead, and Orlando was really playing a lot of young guys because that's all they have because they revamped their roster. It's not like guys were – a ton of guys were sitting. A few were, but for the most part, those are the guys they're building around, so I got it. And the Grizzlies kind of put it in cruise control up 20 and said, ah, we got this. And I went, you know, Orlando's not just going away. You better hang on to this. And then all of a sudden at the end of the fourth or end of the third quarter, they're only down by eight. And I'm going, all right, if you don't come out and punch him right back in the mouth, this young team's going to start believing they can do it. They do it. Cole Anthony hits a three at the top to win the game. They did the same thing in Detroit where Detroit was definitely not playing any of their veterans, resting guys, seeing what they have. And I don't blame teams for doing that. I don't necessarily think that's as much tanking as if you're a general manager and you've got five or six young guys on your roster and you're trying to figure out what spots you're going to have. And there's some questions about these guys. Maybe they have marketability in terms of the trade market. Maybe they don't have any value to you at all. You got to figure it out. You got to put guys out there to, to play in games, especially against teams that are actually playing for something and see what they're capable of. So with that said, um, I really think that the play in game is great in the way they're trying to structure the lottery because you give teams something to strive for. Like you said, if, if you guys didn't have the play-in situation, what's Stan Van Gundy doing tonight? What's he doing? Instead, we're going to get a, a game between a team that has absolutely dominated the other, yours to the Grizzlies, two fan bases that for whatever reason now think that they can jaw at each other on the, oh, yeah. on the Twitter <laughs> sphere or whatever you guys call it because I don't get involved in that anymore. And I get that. I think it's great for fans to be able to do that. I just choose not to participate for it uh, for obvious reasons. I don't want my message to be construed the wrong way and all of a sudden – I'm working at the local shoe store instead of calling a game. Um, So I, you know, I think it's great. And I I do think it helps the league. We missed 10 games. Will they continue it? I don't know. LeBron's voice carries a lot. Does Luca's voice carry as much? Not really, but the players will have to have something to say about that. I think you could restructure it. And I think if you wanted to do eight, nine, like we did last year, I, w- I would be okay with that. If you want to still do eight, nine, ten, and go nine, ten, one game, then the winner plays eight. And if it's within a certain amount of games, if that makes sense, I yep. think if you are the eighth seed and you have an eight game lead at the end of the year, the, the play in game should be all she wrote. But if you're an eighth seed and you win, if you finish tied on the last day of the year, you played the exact same year, but maybe you beat the other team two times. But come on, I mean, that's that may just be a matchup thing. That may be a schedule loss thing. And I think that's where we come into this. I mean, obviously, you guys have had a brutal schedule. The the Grizzlies and Spurs have had the worst since the All-Star break because of the things that happened in the first half. But when we played 40 games in 68 days, hell, I just told you early in this interview, I thought it was March. Right. I mean, I'm, I, I might be hanging Easter stuff later today for all I know. <laughs> it's I mean, it's it's been like that. I don't know how for you guys, but in my 20th season now here in Memphis, and I was three years in Sacramento and I've seen two lockouts and we crammed a lot of games in, in a short amount of time. And nothing's been like this. And I, I contend that's one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of upsets. You're seeing really good teams that are mentally just spent 
you know, they're like, Hey, okay, great. Where, where are we? We can't go anywhere. We can't see our friends that are in the town. We don't have the opportunity to go out and live this lifestyle that we've enjoyed living. And I, I get it, man. I'd love to be an NBA player. I'd love to walk around the street and have people want to take a selfie, tell me how great I am. You know, people wanted my autograph. That that's, that's something these guys enjoy. I mean, I know sometimes they'll kind of seem a little recluse, but deep down, if people stop paying attention to them, they'd be like, Hey, yo, what about me? Yeah. I'm right here. Somebody look at me, pay attention to me. And that's okay. And, and I don't have a problem with that. But when you're not giving them that and they're, Hey, you're in your hotel room, you're doing this. It's different. And so I think that the, the playing game, especially for those reasons, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I see what LeBron's saying, but my, my age old saying is this, if you want extra teams to get into the NCAA tournament, win more games, you want to be in the playoffs, win more games. It's, part of professional sports if you don't win you don't go and, and you're gonna have years where you don't win suck it up get better next year yeah absolutely well what's crazy about also the plane is not only trying to get in to nine or ten like the pelicans are but you guys tonight tonight's game is very important for you guys in getting that eight seed is your half game behind yeah. the warriors because i think some people forget that seven eight if you lose it gives you another chance still at trying to beat right. nine and ten so not only is it important for the pelicans tonight to try still catch the spurs but for you guys uh, you guys are scoreboard watching the Warriors just like we are scoreboard watching San Antonio Spurs right now. 100%. I mean, I got in the car Saturday. Uh, the Grizzlies played in Tampa against the Raptors, and it was a 6.30 central tar- start. So I got in the car and flipped on uh, the Warriors broadcast against the Thunder. Now, obviously, the Thunder, same situation as some of the teams we've mentioned before, Detroit, Orlando, teams that have had to break it down, build it back up, and, you know, Oklahoma city has 18 first round picks in the next seven years. None of that matters to them right now. They got a bunch of guys that are trying to either a prove they belong in the league or B are going to show that they don't. And golden state has some guy named Steph Curry. Who's pretty good. Last time I checked, I think he had 24 in the first quarter and 49 in the game. So um, I was actually texting with Tim Roy during halftime. And he said, Hey, that's Sunday, that, that game next Sunday could be huge. And I said, yeah, it could be massive. And, uh, the fact of the matter is those two teams split earlier in the season. Grizzlies had two home games back to back against Golden State. And in the first game, the Grizzlies did what they have a tendency to do, which was roster watch. There was no Steph Curry. There was no uh, I don't think Draymond played in that game. Maybe he did. But Andrew Wiggins goes for a career night. Jordan Poole gets going. And all of a sudden, the team that you thought you could just walk out and beat because Steph wasn't playing, not only beats you, kicked your butt. I mean, kicked your butt up and down the floor. Grizzlies responded the very next night, but that creates the situation where if you don't have a two game lead on golden state, that game matters. That game matters because that game, if you're one game within one game, either way, and you win, you're, you're in the, you're in the eight seed. If you're in one game, either way and lose, you're in the nine seed. And like you said, then you got to host one win and go somewhere else to whether seven or eight, whoever wins. If you're the eight, you're probably going to either LA or Portland, depending on what happens with those two teams. And if you're on the West Coast, cool. Well, I mean, that's a short flight. I'm sure they'll pack for that. They'll know before they leave on that day what the situation is. Um, and then you can, you know, you have a, a little wiggle room. But uh, I think it, it's created a situation where the last game of the year, where I've been in a couple of these, and I'm sure you have too, and you see six guys you've never heard of out on the floor because they're end of the bench guys trying to fight for a spot. Everything's settled. No one wants to pay money to go see that. No one wants to sit down and watch that. And you're going to tell me that 
a Sunday evening game, which I'm sure they'll nationally televise if it's that if it's that's what's on the line with Steph Curry and John Morant going toe to toe, isn't something people want to sit down and watch if they're basketball fans? That's crazy to me. They absolutely do. At least in two markets, they do. So yeah. I mean, you might get your ratings just from Memphis and San Francisco that way. Yeah, for sure. So that makes tonight specifically important. And before I let you go, Eric, I appreciate your time. Just give me some keys to tonight's game uh, for the Grizzlies. I know the Pelicans will be without their two main guys, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. They're on the second night of the back-to-back after defeating the Charlotte Hornets last night. Uh, but what are some things you're looking out for tonight? Well, I think it's going to come down to pace. I mean, it's really going to matter who um, who establishes their tempo. The Grizzlies love to move the basketball and really thrive on the perimeter with with drives and kicks and basically continue to um, fight in through uh, all the things that they they create on their defensive end. So what where they've struggled with New Orleans is New Orleans' ability to get to the rim, New Orleans' ability to break down their defense with dribble penetration. They've got to be better on the ball. Obviously, Zion being able to square up a defender and go to the rim and not be stopped was huge in the last game. Um, but without Brandon Ingram, that that creates some havoc there, too. I, I, I still think, look, and I don't know uh, how you – broadcasted on your stuff this times i've heard you guys are always incredibly professional um and it's it's a great broadcast for your fans but i tell our fans all the time i said look these guys didn't get an nba jersey that you may not have heard of because they're not good at basketball like they're good nba general managers don't go hey that guy over there in the church league three on three that's you know getting buckets you come play with us against uh, dylan brooks tonight we'll, we'll, we'll put you out there you belong up with us mm-hmm. these guys are there for a reason so You can't worry about whether Ingram or Williamson is there if you're the Grizzlies. You've got to worry about what you're going to do and how you're going to take care of your business. So if the Grizzlies make, I think, 12 or more threes and they have above 26 assists, um, they got a real shot winning this. Jonas Valanciunas has to be big. He has to double-double. That's a big-time matchup down low um, where it gets really, really physical with these two teams. And he's got to be able to impose his will on the offensive end if he can. If he can't and he's not a big factor – taking some pressure away from the perimeter, then it could be a long night. And, they, and the Grizzlies just simply put against the Pelicans have to defend the perimeter than they the better uh, defend the perimeter better than they have in recent games. So it's fun, man. I, I like the rivalry. The two cities are so close by the people here in Memphis love coming down to the big easy. I love going down there. I mean, the train runs from downtown Memphis into new Orleans and you can see all the guys going down for the weekend to enjoy all the, the great food and things before we had all this COVID stuff and, I mean, I'm be honest with you. I'm looking forward to it. I hate this game isn't, you know, where we can all catch up and say hello and shake hands. And, you know, people always ask me, do you, do you have rivalries with the other announcers? I'm like, no, like we call games and we, we enjoy great competition. We want fan bases to dislike each other. I want to go into an arena where I've got some guy 10 rows in front of me talking trash. Now, respectfully, I don't need them to say things about my family, you know, that I don't want to hear or uh, things about my looks, but you want to talk about my team. Okay, great. That's, that's fun to me. That's what sports are all about. I mean, I had somebody the other day say, man, you're so competitive. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody that ever picked up a ball or a bat or a, you know, a a hockey puck or anything, you know, whatever you want to pick up and said, yeah, I really just want to go out here and get my brains beaten in. That sounds like fun to me. No. And I tell You know, I coach my son's teams and I say, look, you know, we're out here to have fun. But in the end, it's more fun when you win. We're not going to do we're not going to win at all costs. We're not going to cheat. We're not going to manipulate the game. We're going to teach you the right way. But make no bones about it. They keep score for a reason. Like we're we're trying to win. We're trying to teach you the game and teach you how to win the game. 
and handle how to win games and then handle losing games. And that's what we teach our kids. So why all of a sudden are we going like, Oh, well, you know, we should, you're too competitive. Screw that, man. I want to win. Like I, I, I have no problem saying, I hope we win this game tonight because one, it's a big confidence boost moving forward in this rivalry that's budding. And I think we'll be here for a few years to come Two, It's obviously big in the standings. Um, do I want to see Zion potentially back in the, in the play in game? Absolutely. I mean, I, nothing against San Antonio, but I would love to see that work out for your ball club. And maybe it's against the Grizzlies. Maybe they meet again. So if that's possibly the case, that's another reason I want them to win this game because I want them to have that confidence going into that game. So we'll see. It should be a lot of fun, man. I, I, I really, uh, I enjoy these matchups with our teams just for the obvious reasons. And for whatever reason, lately, it's been very lopsided. So hopefully the Grizzlies can fix that tonight. Yeah, it should be a fun one no matter what happens. Eric, I appreciate the time. It's Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Grizzlies. And again, I wish we could see you in person and talk shop about tonight's game. But hopefully we'll be able to do that next year. And uh, I would say good luck the rest of the way after tonight's game. And we'll see what Fair happens enough. down the road. I appreciate it. Same to you as well, bud. Give my best to all the people uh, down in New Orleans, okay? Yep, sounds good. There he goes. That's Eric Asseltine, radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. As he mentioned, these two teams are beginning to form a rivalry. Good news is for the Pelicans, they've had full control of it for the last couple of seasons since John Morant and Zion Williamson came in the fold for their teams. But tonight, a little different. No Zion Williamson, most likely no Brandon Ingram as well. Pelicans did get a win last night in Charlotte. Now a game and a half back of the Spurs for the 10th spot. The Spurs play Milwaukee tonight. They have five games to go. The Pelicans with four games and it'll be three after tonight. The Pelicans still have to win three more games than the Spurs down the stretch due to the Spurs owning the tiebreaker. So the Spurs and Pelicans separated by two losses. But since the Spurs got that win a week or so ago here inside the Smoothie Kings, and actually a couple weeks ago, the Pelicans will need to have three more wins over the Spurs in these last handful of games. So tonight is very important for both teams. As Eric mentioned, the Grizzlies are fighting for that eighth spot, which Gives them a little bit more margin of error. If they do lose that first game of the 7-8, they're not out. They'll play the winner of 9-10. and 10. Hope you can join us on the television or the radio side tonight on Bally Sports New Orleans or ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with pregame coverage beginning at 6.30, and the game is at 7. Um, a couple notes for you. On Friday, the Pelicans game against the Warriors has been picked up by ESPN and will begin now at 8.30 p.m. Central Time instead of 9.00. And then on Sunday, reports are that all of Sunday's games are going to be afternoon, whether it's 11 a.m. Central Time or 2.30 p.m. Central Time. That was reported by Shams Terranium of The Athletic. We should have official word uh, earlier in this week here, but we'll keep you posted on Sunday. Most likely will be an afternoon game against the Los Angeles Lakers. So still four more to go. Pelicans staying alive, and hopefully that is the case after tonight's game. We'll have another podcast for you on Wednesday morning. For Eric Castleton, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Have a great rest of your Monday. Go Pels.